0: And welcome to Matamo, a podcast where we explore with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries in celebration of the human experience. Uh, today, I'm uh, again joined by my co host, Greg Traverso, the co founder of Matamo, matamo.travel. Uh, it's a travel experience company. And it, it, Greg started really based on some of these amazing stories and journeys that he's had across Africa. And today, we're going to dig really into this epic seven month excursion across the the continent of Africa, had <laughs> some pretty, pretty interesting stuff in here, Greg. I can't wait to get into it. Um, and so let's kind of first start, let's kind of set the scene for our our audience here. Uh, you're in Zimbabwe, right? And and kind of let us know kind of the the, the time, the year, the place uh, where you're starting the seven-month journey.
1: Sure. I uh, When I left for home, I really didn't know where in Africa I was going to. To fly to. I bought a one-way ticket to London uh, and then kind of roamed the area where the bucket shops are and and trying to figure out where I was going to go in Africa because my goal is to cross the continent uh, Mm -hmm. from ocean to ocean, uh, gauging where the civil wars were and where they were not and where the trouble was. I decided to fly to Zimbabwe, Harare, Zimbabwe, and that's where I started. My my, uh, plan was Um, to travel overland up north to East Africa. So that's hitchhiking, uh, riding on the back of trucks, matatus, uh, all kinds of other means of transportation.
0: What are are those for our audience, Greg? What are those matatus? Matatus are
1: uh, essentially minivans that are all decked out in loud music and as many people as you can possibly uh, pack in there, including sometimes even hanging out the windows. Um, it's a very crowded uh, experience. They've gotten better now these days, but back then it was, uh, you know, sometimes you wouldn't even fill the seat that you're sitting under because there's people below you, so. From from East Africa, I crossed uh, the, the central part of Africa, uh, Zaire at the time, the Congo, all the way to Cameroon. So that journey um, through Africa took me through Zimbabwe, Zambia, uh, Mozambique, Malawi, Kenya, Tanzania, Tanzania, Kenya, and across Uganda, uh, the Congo, Central African Republic, all the way to Cameroon and West Africa, where I reached my goal of crossing the continent at the Atlantic Ocean.
0: And like you mentioned, this wasn't just, you know, uh, Renting renting a Hertz rent a car for seven months, you were you were <laughs> you were it, um, and this was refresh our memory, Greg. Uh, you know you mentioned some of the, the 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 strife, the civil the civil war happening. What what era was this? Is this uh, just to kind of give a perspective. Well, this was audience. 1993. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so this was a time period where the Sudan was under duress and civil war. You had problems in Mauritania. Uh, southern Morocco area, you had problems with the Choreg rebels in Algeria, Uh, you have, you know, issues across the north, so I decided to uh, go ocean to ocean from the Indian Ocean to the Atlantic. Uh, The Democratic Republic of Congo, Zaire at the time, had not yet, uh, uh, that had not materialized into the war that was to come. Uh, One year later, uh, the genocide in Rwanda happened in 1994. uh, And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people poured over uh, the Virunga into eastern Kivu province of of the Congo, where I was and my wife and I had traveled through to go see the mountain gorillas uh, in a sleepy town. We stayed in with you know, no vehicles uh, to speak of. And all of a sudden, it becomes the biggest refugee camp in the history of the world one year later. Subsequently, uh, with time, the Congo, Zaire went into a civil war, ended up killing four and a half million people. So I was there shortly before all that took place. You could certainly feel the tension in the air. I just didn't know what that was exactly, but you could cut it with a knife. It was literally... Uh, it was an incredible journey across this area of the world. Uh, of course, I got off the beaten track so much that I was more back in the Neolithic. It felt like um, away from all society, all you know, semblance of modern times. So that's how far I was able to get off the beaten path. So that was all certainly a, a part of the, the journey, but it was a, an exceptional time period to be this traveling.
0: Is- there's a story you tell about being off this beaten path, and you know, amid all this strife, like you mentioned, this tension. Uh, you're in. Are you like floating down a river in a canoe? I, you told me this story before, and I, I think it's 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 really interesting one. So, you know, walk us through that, or, or you know, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, Greg? You're sort sure. Of just, yeah, you're. <laughs> well, the,
1: you know, at Kisangani, which is uh, a town on the river of the Congo, the the roads basically ended right there. So I bought a canoe and I met a couple young guys on the street and uh, actually, sorry, on the river. And then we, we ended up making a deal that they would take me down the river as my uh, de facto guides, even though they were just young guys, 15, 16 years old that were working on the river, but they knew it, knew it well. So I bought the canoe and uh, we Got our supplies at the market, uh, and I had a lot of uh, food stuff to bring to trade—rice, uh, palm oil, and uh, beans—and we took off of many hundreds of miles down the river and spent my days on the river and nights in villages, kind of sometimes deep in the rainforest. And it was quite, uh, quite epic.
0: What some of the the in the rainforest. I mean, you know, many of us listening probably never been deep within the rainforest. So, like, what set the seed for us? What is that like?
1: Electrifying! It. Uh, I was amazed by the the sounds of the, the 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 insects basically, and it felt like it was an electric uh, electricity plant. You know, it it just would buzz with this. Uh, this loud hum, and I'd walk kind of gingerly into the into the rainforest, and and it would stop. It would go quiet uh, for a time. Uh, but the village uh, life was uh, much like you would imagine in National Geographic uh, magazines. Uh, uh, and uh, I would have the entire village. It might only be seventy people or a hundred, but they would come running around me, and they you know they'd want to actually touch my uh, I had more hair at the time, and they would want to touch my hair and my arms, because I had hair on my arms, of course, that uh, was unusual for them. And, uh, and then I would meet the chief, of course, and we would negotiate through my guides. Uh, that I would stay there for the night. Uh, oftentimes, the chief would give me his hut, um, and I would be able to sleep inside this hut with uh, my guides would sleep there also we all would be like a, some bricks with a mat over it and uh real thin paper thin uh wreaths uh, and uh for for the walls and it was quite the quite the nights uh, inside the, those villages where you could hear literally everything it's it it was as much as it was electrifying outside uh, at night it would go quiet you'd hear the sounds of village life you know of people of animals and i and i hadn't I wasn't used to that so it was very uh, new uh, i wouldn't always sleep so well but uh there was little rats that would sometimes run around and that kind of freaked me out a little bit uh, one one time i actually had a rat uh, fall off the ceiling and it scurried off my face
0: uh-huh. and no. it was about <laughs> Yeah,
1: three o'clock in the morning, and I I I lost it, and I was yelling, "Let's get out of here!" To my guys, and we were in the canoe uh, by say three o'clock in the morning, and made uh, coffee and it started down the river with you know a billion stars out. And so we recovered. I recovered from it nicely, but it was uh, yeah. These these experiences were uh, were uh, transforming in so many ways, just on my perspective on things.
0: I take it it was fairly unusual even now, but then for an outsider right you're you're i'm sure looked like one and also carried yourself like an outsider so
1: definitely I'm
0: sort of marveling the fact that this negotiation you end up getting the hut of the chief and I mean that's so fascinating to me right like is it is it what your guides were doing what what, what were you bartering when you were doing that were you giving them sort of what was the transaction line here is
1: well, I, I would feed the chief and his family yeah. and all his cronies. They would gather around and we'd make a fire and we'd cook and we'd have uh, beans and rice and orange palm oil, basically. That was the substance. But uh, And this would usually take a couple hours uh, easy. And then, you know, a lot of talking and, you know, and I'm probably about me and I didn't really understand a lot that was happening back then. the tribal languages, obviously, you know, speaking any kind of European language just uh, uh, wouldn't communicate so well back then. So I, I relied on my guides that would do an OK job trying to use their Swahili and mm-hmm. their language to, to discuss the negotiations. But
0: Wow. And so. You're you're floating down. Um, You mentioned kind of seeing all the stars at at, at three in the morning. Um, You know, what point are you on the journey here? Like when when you're in Zaire, what 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 was this sort of midway? You know, I
1: was at this point about six months, uh, five and a half, six months into the journey uh, of of the seven month uh, trip across Africa.
0: What point did you get malaria, Greg? Because I know you had you had malaria at some point. When what was that like?
1: Yeah, you know, that was not a fun experience, and obvi- obviously, and I think a lot of that was uh, because of my geography, which was very remote. Though I was uh, thankfully very close to a town, the first town really we came across of any of any size uh, at that point called Boomba. And I still wasn't sure how far I was going to keep going down the river. I obviously could have kept going uh, for a lot longer, but uh, so the the malaria for all I know might've been a, could have been a saving grace because it ended up taking me off the river into a town where I was able to get better. Um, Yeah. So I was, uh, sitting in my canoe floating down the river it's getting to be about sunset time. And uh, all of a sudden I just started shaking and, mm. and I thought, that's, Oh boy. You know, that feeling like when you get the flu, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it came on strong. And before long, I, uh, I was completely weak, sweating, uh, throwing up and, uh, uh, that might have came a little bit later, but I it was so weak that when we pulled the canoe into, off onto the banks and I could barely get out of the canoe and then I had to find somewhere to stay. so the guides negotiated uh, this bungalow place to stay in with the mama there and, and she was actually very, very friendly but uh, the the room itself, you know, I remember no running water. The sheets were almost like a brown, you know, it was like not not dirty as much as just old. And I just uh, hunkered down there for a few days and I was very, very sick and weak. I finally was able to get up and get to a market and um, actually remember that very well because I bought a chicken and I had to carry the chicken. It was a live chicken uh, back to uh, the mama in, in this that ran this little bungalow uh, area and uh, she took the chicken and she made me uh, my first meal in, in quite a few days so I was able to eat a little bit of that and some avocado and I started to feel better and but I still had a long way to go to get out of the Congo uh, which was quite uh, quite adventurous uh, because the next sections were, uh, overland, uh, hitchhiking, really riding on the back of trucks and sleeping under them and uh, sleeping on them. Big flatbeds with, you know, 150, 100 people on them, all hanging on for dear life and flying through the rainforest. And it's just incredible.
0: So, okay. So you're uh, you still got to wait. You're kind of getting out in the clear. You still got a ways to go, um, you know what you, you're, I mean, your, your, your body's probably taking a toll. I mean, how much, how much weight did you lose in, to, in total, Greg, would you say? I
1: think it was uh, 49 pounds. So I call it 50 pounds. Um, that was for, in seven months though. So, and then malaria certainly expedited that towards the end. And after that I was eating very little all the way until I got out into uh, the Central African Republic. And then I uh, continued overland all the way uh, to Cameroon.
0: And what ultimately got you better was just time with malaria or did you end up getting some medicine somewhere or what was, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't want to romanticize the malaria at all because it's, you know, you know, tens of millions of people get it and suffer through it every year. And so, uh, but for me it was the, it was where I was at. You know, I, I I was so isolated that I had to even determine on my own if it was malaria, was it dengue fever, what's going on with me. Uh, after doing some reading, I surmised it was malaria. 99% sure it was. Uh, I had gotten off the malaria prophylactics, uh, the medicine, sometime before. Because seven months traveling, I didn't want to be on this kind of strong medication. And I had done some climbing uh, of a, a a mountain, the third highest in Africa, called Marguerite, in the Zaire-Ugandan border, which was an incredible uh, climb. Mm. And I didn't want to... Beyond the medicine, so I had come off of it, and I had uh, therefore was susceptible to getting bit by the female mosquito that comes out at night, and that's just what where it comes from. Yeah, but so you know, malaria kills you know you know I think more children in Africa uh, than anything other than um, bad water. I I think that, um, and so you know, people when they get sick, you know, the people. Um, in Africa we'll often say I, got, I, have, I have malaria whether it's a cold or whether it's something else um, so malaria is kind of the catch all in my experience but this was a full on I mean I was the sickest I've ever been in my life certainly I've been sick throughout uh, many parts of my journey because I was traveling so uh, on the cheap and sleeping in places and You know, like drinking my water, I I use iodine to clean it. I mean, drinking the water out of the Congo, and even in you know crossing Africa, up from the southern Africa all the way up. I mean, I I I had some you know I was ill you know a few few times, uh, some dysentery, and so having. Having been through that, you know, one of the things with Matamo is I, I want people to stay healthy, and I want people to enjoy their. Because for 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 people that have two weeks, I mean, you want to maximize that time so you're completely just being able to forget the cares of the world, not end up sick. So
0: I was gonna say, Greg. I mean, it's quite the. <laughs> It's quite the, the opposite of sort of the, the, the matamo, the typical matamo trip. And I think it's sort of like you, you experience, you, you, you've, you've roughed it, if you will, you've not even roughed it, you just, you've, you've, you've kind of been through it all. And, um, you know, you've been able to kind of craft these trips that, uh, you know, allow people a glimpse into a different way of living um, and, uh, but, but also, you know, again, two weeks versus seven months is quite a, quite a different experience. Um, yeah. And so I, I would love to, you know, so you, you know, you, you after the seven months you, you, you return, you know, you're, 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 you're safe, you're, you're healthier again. Um, and so after that seven months, you return to the U S you know, and um, actually, or actually or not, I. You-
1: yeah, I, you know, I, that seven-month journey, um, I f- ended up flying back from Douala, Cameroon to Nairobi. Uh, in six hours, I I crossed what took me many months to do, <laughs> uh, and I, I got to see, the, you know, fly over the basin Rainforest, and I ended up back in Nairobi, which was kind of my hub. Was yeah. of my, uh, I had a place that I stayed in uh, a place called the Terminal Hotel. That was like my, my office or home away from home and uh, observed some things there. I can tell on a different day, but you know, for example, street kids that um, were picked up uh, by some members of the military. And I observed and actually photographed this, uh, this, this scene. And so there's, there was a lot of, um, a lot of other things, aspects to this, this journey besides the Congo. But um, yeah, I, I I was, I, I actually went to see a doctor in Nairobi. I went to the Hilton hotel, uh, down below, it had a nice hamburger. I'll never forget that and started to gain some weight back. And then I flew to India and I spent the next three months traveling through India, Nepal and Thailand before having gone around the world. Then I, I headed home, uh, after that 10 months. So.
0: Wow. And so you, you, uh, you did a year, you know, you, you, you come back, uh, you know, you, but but that that desire to bring others back with you i think that's really fascinating and you know i'm thinking in our in our next episode we can kind of dig into you know what what transformed you what made you go from this is my my own independent you know epic 10 month journey across the world to i want other people to experience this you know and i want to help them to make this trip and and change your life so you know stay tuned next next podcast we'll kind of dig into that a little further and and hear more about uh, Greg's individual transformation that ultimately has helped many, many others experience Africa for the first time and for many times for some of them too. So, uh, again, Matamo, uh, you can, you can find out more at matamo.travel. That's the URL for the company. You can also send an email to hello at matamo.travel and, or, uh, go to the website matamo.travel. And there's a chat box representatives always available to talk and just, you know, if you've got any questions about African travel or, 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 um, you know, anything, they're, they're there to talk with you. So again, thanks for taking the time to listen. We, we looking forward to having you on or, uh, or having you listen again and, and, and sharing more of, of the, the transformational travel experience with you. So thank you everybody. And we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Take care.